Welcome to College Street Victory Church. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. Well, good morning, church. How you doing on this sunny day in beautiful British Columbia? I had to check there from where are we? We flew from, we did Manitoba, we came back, we went to Alberta, and now we're finally back home. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know if you know know this, but we've got it really good in BC. Hey, Mike, we've got yeah. it really good in BC. <laughs> You're also from Manitoba, right? Ah, yeah, you spent time. I like how you did that. I spent time there. Well, uh, welcome. If you're joining us uh, for the first time, welcome home. If you're joining us online, we have lots of friends and family that join us from all around the world, uh, which we found out there's people watching that we didn't even know were watching this service and a part of it and call it home. Uh, But let's first give a shout out uh, to those that are watching from the Joshua House, all the men living life in discovery, not just recovery. God bless you. Who else do we want to give a shout out to? Oh, on the spot here. Well, we've got our friends over at Ruth and Naomi's tuning in this morning. Let's give them a hand. And the Westminster ladies we know as well are joining in today. So let's give yeah. them some praise. And your parents and yeah. Vince's parents. <laughs> For sure. The, uh, the list and goes what? on. So we've been doing this series, and this is actually going to wrap up this series, New Year, New You. Uh, but don't forget, God is doing a new thing. Isaiah 43, 19, can you not see it? He is making a way. Say he's making a way. Yeah. And he also says where he's making a way, and that's in the wilderness and the wasteland. Uh, so the places that feel might feel dry in your life or um, you, you don't really see a way through, he's making a way. And, and spoiler alert, his name is Jesus. He is the way. Yeah. So... <laughs> I guess we can all go home. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, Shar and I are just going to share a little bit today, um, just a, again, a snapshot of some of the, the trials and triumphs that we've gone through just in our journey and our relationship with God and, and with each other. Uh, but before we do that, why don't we just recap? Because wow, if you, didn't cha- if you didn't have a chance to sit in or listen to some of those tes- testimonies, uh, go on YouTube. Incredible. Yeah, we heard from Pastor Rudy and Pastor Steph, and what a testimony of relationship versus religion. Yeah. Like, so powerful. So if yeah. you've ever struggled with that, check that out. Uh, we had Rick and Kamala. What was your takeaway from Rick so and Kamala? So good. Well, I mean, I love them. I have so many takeaways just from knowing them, but from their message, just how God will, t- will take anybody, regardless of yeah. their past, and use them, and he will also take all of it, your pain and your joy and all of it, and use it for his purposes. So, yeah. Yeah. I kind of I skipped Vince, but you can, who can forget Vince? That's right. right? What a <laughs> man. And ladies, he's single. Uh, <laughs> just throw it out there. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably going to have to go through Pastor Charmaine first, but... Um, I think Vince that's is, his rule, actually. That's his rule? Yeah. Is it, is it <laughs> I for think real? So. I think it's oh. Pastor Steph and Pastor Char. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. So if you want to, yeah. Good luck. Okay. okay. <laughs> Jesus. But what, a, what again, what a story about relationship versus religion. But he also brought in covenant. Yeah, that's right. You know, who, who we're called to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously we're called to God, but even the people that God puts in our life. Yeah. And that's 
something that we need to hear more about too, that what, what is covenant? And covenant isn't covenant until it's tested, right? Yeah. You know, anyone could say, I do, and, and, and make these, say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to yeah, go where you go. Your people will be my people yeah. until you don't like those people. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right? It's true. It's true. Yeah. yeah. But it was really good. Um, Coach Vince, thank, thank you everyone for sharing. We, we hope that encourages more testimonies to come mm-hmm. forward. We want to hear from you. Everyone has a story to tell. Yeah. Just so you know. Yeah. Um, but today we get to share a little bit of ours. That's right. Right? So should I start? Mm, sure. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. This, this, is, this is not as easy as you think. It's easier actually to write a teaching than to do this. So first of all, let's start with this. Uh, this is our family. You've got uh, Aiden, our oldest, who's 15 there on, uh, well, now my left and your left. And then you've got Maximus, who's nine, and he lives up to his name. He once asked mom, he said, mom, does Maximus mean full volume? Or is that what he said? Well, he said, does Maximum mean full volume? Maximum. But it was the relating. I could feel that connection. I was like, so yes, met, son, it does. If you met Max, you know that. Um, there's Charmaine and I, Chloe. That's our daughter, Chloe. She's, she's five. She is a miracle child. Um, yeah, Lord just said, you know what? You can do, boys. It's time you learn how to lead girls. So I've been praying. I come from all three boys, which you'll see soon enough. Uh, there's Oliver. He's the only one that got my eyes. We, we call each other the brown eye pals. All the other kids have blue eyes. They have their mom's eyes, and they all have their mom's looks. So praise the Lord. And, uh, <laughs> and then you might know our, our other son there, Logan. So Oliver is now 11. Am I getting this right? You just correct me when I'm wrong. <laughs> Logan is 13, so we have uh, two teenagers in the house. And uh, Oliver's the creative one. Uh, Logan is, how would you describe Lo- Logan besides the word perfect? <laughs> like he is, he gets up he's at 5.30 a.m. He's he, showing us how to be a better adults. <laughs> he is disciplined. He is disciplined. He's, yeah. Yeah. That's so that's our given. family. Uh, statistically, if we show you this first, you're more likely to listen to the rest that we're going to say now. So yeah. that's why I put that first. But we <laughs> but there you go. But um, yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about my, my story and, and coming to know Jesus, you know, growing up in a Christian home in southern Alberta. Um, if anyone knows where Winkler Morton is, it's like, it's like, hey, if you know, it's woo, yeah, one of you. There's like, it, it's like the Bible belt, but Winkler is like the buckle, okay? So... <laughs> I grew up in the buckle and grew up in a great home, um, really blessed. You know, um, we attended a, a Mennonite church. That's my heritage. I'm really, I'm proud of my heritage. Okay. I, I, sometimes, I don't talk enough about that, but I learned a lot of things about covenant, discipline, hardworking, uh, putting God first. Uh, but in my home, I wasn't allowed to do a lot of the, some of the fun things that the, that the unchurched kids were allowed to do. There's some cartoons I couldn't even watch. I was only allowed to listen to Christian music. And at that time, Christian music was not good. (laughs) There was so, I kind of rebelled and I listened to a lot of other things. Um, But I guess I'm kind of, I'm jumping ahead that I want to share a little, little me before Jesus, get ready. I don't know if you can handle it. He was very selfish. There he is. I'm the one on the top. (laughs) You're handsome, dad. I'm the one on the top. I was very selfish. It was all about me. Sorry. It was, it, forgive me, Lord. It was feed me, change me, you know, 
Um, but yeah, no, I grew, I can remember the day that I gave my heart to the Lord. Age five, I can remember where it was, like it was yesterday. And uh, so let's not discount our children, because just so you know, um, 85% of people that will choose to follow Jesus will do so between the ages of four and 14. And you know, I don't think we give our, our kids enough credit. You know what? And that same Holy Spirit that dwells in us dwells in them, right? And so when somebody's like, oh, I don't know if they're old enough to understand, I'm like, dude, I was five years old, and I don't forget it. And if they can understand salvation, they can also understand baptism. Just saying. Okay, not to preach at you, sorry. Um, but yeah, so besides that, growing up in uh, southern Manitoba, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, the church that we attended, we knew everybody. You're like, if we saw new people, it's because you were born into the church. So we didn't see a lot of new people coming into the church. And uh, you, you did. You had to dress a certain way on Sunday. Um, we even talked a certain way. Sometimes I call it Christianese. You know, we kind of had our own language, right? So I had to unlearn some of those things. But um, it wasn't a place that I had a lot of unchurched friends, but I wanted them to come to know Jesus, but it wasn't necessarily that kind of culture that I felt like I knew they would stand out. And, but the people were great. The people were great. It was just, it just wasn't, it wasn't, to be honest, an outreach church, you know, you can have, you can have both. Um, I should show you at least a little bit about how crazy I am. My, my brothers, I come from three brothers and uh, yeah, that's, you can get, which one's me? With the muscles, right? The one with the muscles, that's me. I'm the oldest, I'm the oldest of, of three boys. So that's what I grew up with. Um, and then in my teenage years, I became what you'd call wise in my own eyes. You know, I started to see, I thought like, all oh, Christians are hypocrites, and I would have been one of them, just so you know, uh, just for saying that. And, oh, that's, that's, I don't know if you can even see me, I'm pretty small. I'm the one in the middle that, that you can tell really wants to have my picture taken. No, I didn't. I didn't want to be in the shot. I'm like, Mom, come on, take the picture already. But, uh, yeah, those were some different years. But God was always with me. You know, he never left me, he never forsake me. Um, at times, I probably did my own thing and went away from him, but he, he never left me. Um, but growing up in my home, I had an interesting dynamic because my mom was filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, she, she stood out like a sore thumb in, in, uh, in the community that I grew up in. You know, she was the, I don't know if you have any in your family. My mom was, I call her like a hippie Christian. And mom, I know you're watching and I love you so much. And I mean that with the biggest compliment. My mom was she a world shaker, mind. just so yeah, you know. That's right. Uh-uh. She wouldn't fit into the mold. She wouldn't fit into the box of religion. You know, she was going out and she was doing it for Jesus. She started the Pregnancy Crisis Center and Winkler of all places. That's a hard place to do that. Um, and counseled these young women that were struggling with the decision and being kicked out of the home, you know, because they were pregnant out well, of wedlock. And maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but in Winkler, you don't, they don't talk about it. You, you don't, don't talk about, about how you got pregnant or you're just out of the house now. So for her to have that pregnancy crisis center was so revolutionary. She, yeah. she came up against a lot of things, but she didn't just start one center. She started four centers, yeah. right? So <laughs> anyway, I love my mom. I'm thankful, for, I'm thankful for my dad. My dad is, you know, more of a traditional Mennonite, uh, hardworking, strict, and quiet, right? And I'm, I'm thankful for, for the both of them. So, but then fast forward, I moved from Manitoba to Lethbridge, Alberta to study policing. Yeah, it's out, it's out there now. I took policing. I graduated from criminal justice uh, with two diplomas, but that was my, that was my vision. That was my plan. 
And I, I tried to go to a church. There was a big church in town, good-looking church, but I didn't fit in. I actually went several times, and believe it or not, I, I uh, no one talked to me. I even sat with the cool people, and uh, I thought I would fit in. But no, it just wasn't for me, so I kind of put that aside for a season. But then there was this uh, girl in my class, and she invited me to her church. And, you know, she was a girl. She was, yeah. And... <laughs> So with all the right motives, I went to this church. And she told me it was going to be on a Friday night, a Friday night church, Saturday night. She corrected me. Thank you. So Saturday night, I was early. So I'm there Friday. No. (laughs) So we show up Saturday night, and one, it's downtown Lethbridge, and they had bought this old bank. And and we rolled up to the church, and already the music was so loud, the glass was shaking. It was like... You know, I'm like, this is not a church. It's a club. <laughs> What's going on here? And there's good-looking people, like, just like you guys, standing out front, you know, um, jeans, T-shirt, leather jackets, probably more tattoos than ties. And I'm already, you know, culturally, it's not really, I'm like, where am I? Um, people are friendly. They're welcoming. We come in, and the first thing I get offered is coffee. Coffee in church. Oh, my goodness. You had me at coffee. But... We get in there, and and the atmosphere is it's authentic. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you felt it when you came here. So you come in, and then they open up with this song. And first of all, you got to understand: in the church I grew up with, there were no instruments on the stage. You're the instrument, okay? We read out of these beautiful, and hymns are beautiful. I, I still appreciate a good hymn. We read out of these hymns. There's no instruments. I get in there. There's drums, guitar, keyboard, there's smoke, there's lights. Probably like uh, what Vince shared, you know? And like, this isn't church. And they open up. Okay, check this out. The first song they open up with, I don't know if you remember this band out of the 90s or early 2000s called Creed. Yeah, 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 right? So they open up with this song, Higher, by Creed. I'm like, that's not a Christian song, you know? But I'm liking it, I'm liking it. It's like going to a concert. Uh, But then they proceed to go into their worship set, and I'm kind of recognizing some of the lyrics, but it's just so excellent. You know, I had a, a band I was in in high school, a garage band, and I played the drums. And the drummer on the stage was the best drummer I ever heard until I met Darcy. So, and I just, right? Right? And I was just like, wow. And I'm telling you guys, though, I had this, the, the spirit of God, that his love just hit me so hard, and I could not stop crying. I could not stop. Every time the music, I'm like, ah! I don't know if it ever happens to you guys, but it's like somebody just turned on the waterworks, and I'm like, ah! And I was having this God encounter, this God uh, experience. And then after the music stopped playing, the guitar player, he was like this hippie-looking dude, jeans, ripped jeans and T-shirt. I'm still trying to be like him. Uh, but he had long hair, and, you know, puts, the, puts down, <laughs> I, I'm praying for that one, puts down the guitar... And then he goes up and he grabs his Bible and he starts to deliver this message. And the girl that invited me leans over and says, that's my pastor. Where am I? And um, yeah, it was powerful. And one thing I did notice about the band, there was an even um, prettier girl on keys. (laughs) Yeah. So the one invited me, I ended up with, sorry, I shouldn't say, I, I ended up with the one that God was called me to. There, there we go. Anyway, 
Um, and, that, and then I know this is taking a little long, but this is really important. It was really important. Thank you for letting me share this in my heart because this experience that I had, then they did this thing where you could, people would pray over you. And I've never, besides my mom, had somebody pray over me. And when I was, when I was worshiping, like I had, so the guys I was living with, not Christian, right? But I love them. They're awesome guys. And I wanted for them to know Jesus, but I didn't know anything about evangelism. I've never led anybody to the Lord, all these things. And, and I just wanted for them to come to know Jesus. And I didn't want to be, I don't know if you ever heard the term Bible thumper. I, I didn't want to be that, you know, I didn't want to push religion on people. And, and I just, I seen that in a wrong, in a bad way. And then I, I remember being in that moment, and then there was a call for prayer. And then I, I come forward, and this guy that I don't know lays hands on me, and he starts to read my mail, like, as if God told him what I'm thinking. He doesn't know me, and he says, Matt, I see you having coffee with one of your friends, and you want them to know Jesus more than ever, and you don't know what to say. And the Lord is just saying to you, don't worry about it, because where you go, he goes. And just as they're spending time with you, they're spending time with the Lord and they're going to get to know the Lord. And something happened. Something broke over me and I just had this comment. I wasn't worried about, oh, am I going to say the right thing, the wrong thing? And I just started inviting my my roommates and every, I, I live on the, we had the split level thing, and you know in college you try to get as much people into a place as you can because it's cheaper that way because you don't have any money. But I would come down the stairs, and they'd all be partying, and they have, you know, it's, you know, Friday night. All the drinks are out. Um, they're doing their thing, and I got my Bible in my hand. I'm like, guys, you want to come come with me to this church? It's this victory church, you know, like, you guys should come check it out. Ah, oh, we're good, Maddie. I don't know how many times, that's what they called me. I don't know how many times I'd come down the stairs, like, oh, you should really check it out. It's like nothing you probably experienced. No, no, we're good, Maddie. We're good, we're good. And one night, I'm coming down the stairs, and the last guy that I would ever think that would ever come to church, he put down his beer and he said, I'll come with you, Maddie. Yeah. This guy, we called him Nazi Steve. <laughs> no, legit, that was his name. That was his name. And he lived up to the name. He was one of the crudest guys you've ever met, um, covered in tattoos. Like he would just say it when he shouldn't say it. Um, but he came, and he came that night, and he came to, it was called the Gate Victory Church. It's still there. It's still one of our churches. And he came in, and, and we stood together, and I got his coffee, and, um, and then no expression. Like, he didn't flinch or nothing. And then at the end of the, end of the service, he says, you know what, I'd like, I think I'd like to come with you to Sunday. I'm like, well, awesome. Sunday is pretty much the same thing with the lights on, but yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so Sunday... He comes in, and I'd already started helping with security because I was studying policing. And I, I help him find his seat and everything, and I'm standing at the back, and I'm host slash security, and I'm looking out. On, and about second song in, I'm looking, and I can't see Steve. And I'm like, oh, shoot. You know, like I thought, I thought he bailed. And I'm looking, and I'm looking everywhere for Steve. And then all of a sudden, I saw Steve. And he's at the front of the altar. And it still gets me worked up. And he gave his heart to the Lord that day. He gave his heart to the Lord. He actually met his future wife in the church. You know, but I, I ever since then, I was like, this is how church was meant to be. 
that I could invite anybody, you know, and we would do anything short of sin to reach people, that we would make an environment that you could come as you are and not feel judged and experience the grace and the love of Jesus. Anyway, that's my story. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) It's my favorite. How about you? (laughs) That's all the time we have. That's all the time we have. Oh, no, so good. All right, well, I mostly wanted to hear you tell your story, but I will will tell a little bit of mine as well. But um, I grew up pretty much in the church. I was pretty much born in the church, um, almost, I guess you would say, like our kids as well. Um, I, we were always in amazing churches with amazing children's ministry. So I always loved the church, always loved Jesus, and used to come in early and stay in late and, and just kind of doing whatever needs to be done. And I loved it. It was living the dream for me. And I know it's not like that for everybody. Um, but I wanted that also for my family. For me growing up, even though, you know, I grew up in the church and definitely was very blessed and protected in in that. I still had to figure out what it was like to make Jesus Lord over my life. You know what I mean? So when you're young, your Sunday school teacher tells you something and you believe it and you do what you're told to do because you want to get your stickers and you know, like it's a very lovely little thing. And then you grow up and you and you go to school and you meet friends who are like, that's not true. And they question it. And then you're like, wait a second. So just, just, just figuring that out for myself. Being like, no, if, I, if this is something I'm believing, I need to know. Right? So figuring out, what, pr- proving that it's true and doing that. And then as you become a young adult and, again, learn what it means to make Jesus Lord over your life, you realize what sin looks like. You know when we don't surrender it to Jesus. And... For my own self, growing up in a, a dynamic church with so much teaching, I was, I was really protected. And, and, you know, we were definitely taught on, like, this is really bad, and this is really bad, and this is really bad. So what, what I was taught was really bad. I didn't do those things, you know, because I, I had a fear of the Lord, and I wanted to please people, and I knew in my heart that if I did those really bad things, I would wake up feeling bad. So on one hand, that protected me. And on the other hand, there's other sin that isn't talked about so much. You know, sin like pride. Sin like not telling the truth because you want to appear more holy, more put together, more whatever. And even being a pastor's kid, having that expectation of, I should know the whole Bible. I should have all the answers. I should never hurt my friend's feelings. You know that expectation. So... For myself, my journey was, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, I've never done drugs, never done drugs. But that doesn't mean that my sin wasn't equal to or worse than that. You know, so, so for, for me in learning that and walking through that, though it looks different, it's just, it's taught me grace. It's taught me grace for everybody's journey and for my own journey and in making like Jesus Lord over my life, being able to surrender my pride, being able to surrender my sin at his feet, you know, helps me also to be able to be authentic to you, to be able to 
know that I'm going to make mistakes. And I know that I might, though I never want to, I might let you down. I might not look at you the right way because I'm thinking about something else or, or whatever. But knowing that who I am in Christ, you know, that he's taken my sin and the same love that he has for me, he has for you. And he wants me to succeed and he wants you to succeed. And he wants, you know, that, that person that you think isn't reachable. He, he wants them. He loves them. Right? Yeah. Do you want to talk or am I good? You're still good. Okay. <laughs> when I was pretty young, like again, growing up in an awesome church, I learned to pray and I learned to hear from God when I was young. And I remember one day driving home and I just had this picture of, um, I kind of, not really like a picture, but I just kind of knew, like a knowing, you know? And I said to my mom, you know what, mom, I'm going to, when I grow up, I'm going to marry a builder. And um, yeah, <laughs> a bodybuilder. <laughs> I just did what Jesus said. <laughs> just kidding. Um, but not even, like you're a kid, right? I just said the words. I didn't really know exactly what that meant. I remember my sisters being like, what does that mean? How do you know? Like, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just know I'm going to marry a builder. And, and that's my husband. He's a builder of people. He's a builder of the church. And yeah. And he, yeah. And he's, he is a builder of muscles. Um, but anyway, so that was part of it. Like God just speaking to me from a young age and giving me a heart for the church and a glimpse of, of, of my future. And I do remember having also a, a picture of driving a black SUV and having four boys. Yeah, you did. You just don't remember. <laughs> yeah, you didn't want to listen. <laughs> So we have now passed that, but we did, you know, when, when we were, um, our last church plan in Okotoks, which we'll show you a couple of photos from there, the, the SUV actually will be in the picture. Oh, that's it great. Is, it's funny you mentioned that. Okay. If we yeah. can get, you know, the first church plant we did in, in Okotoks just outside of Calgary. The, no, not that one. Oh, not that one. But yeah, can you see the resemblance? <laughs> it's like, where we go, motorcycles, motorcycles go. go. <laughs> so I think there's another one. You, somebody else you'll recognize in that picture. There's two handsome two brothers. people, two brothers. There it is. There it is. Can you see? Can you see the SUV in the background? Yeah. I don't know if you recognize who's who, but that's. <laughs> we like traded. I shaved, and anyway, no, he shaved. That's me on the left. That's Pastor Rudy on the right. There's the black SUV, and there's our church in a box. See, that's, Victory Church. That's what it was. Yeah. We, yeah. We unpacked that box and packed it up every week for five years. There's another funny thing about that story that, you know, we posted this picture. You know, this is the beginnings of a church plant. And my mother comments on there, oh, two of my favorite sons. <laughs> like, she didn't even recognize that. <laughs> she's not Rudy. So if you guys get us mixed up. Yeah. You know, so my mom does. Sorry, mother. go ahead. But anyways, when we were in Oak Tokes, I saw that vision come true. We had our black SUV and we had four boys and then God changed it again. It's, it's amazing how like right when like life gets smooth or feels smooth or like your vision has been accomplished that like God is just like shakes it up a little bit. <laughs> Things, yeah. But anyways, and then he shook up our lives with a daughter, which has been the best Thing for our family. Well, one of the very best things. Yeah, Princess Chloe. 
And so we ask her all the time, how come you're so beautiful? And she's like, because you and daddy and God. And then, yeah, we're like, yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, perfect. I think she just is like, what do you want to hear right now? <laughs> yeah, Jesus and you. But, um, okay, I'm going to pass it off to you just in one second. No, you keep going. This is okay. Great. <laughs> but I, when we were talking through our story, and everybody's story is unfolding, right? Like it's a journey, and there's and it's hard sometimes to grab, you know, a piece. So just like trying to lean in and be like, hey, God, what do we need to share today? But some of the biggest moments that I remember that have involved our marriage and church and what does God want to do is when we've moved. And I think too, especially for a woman, home is such a, well, I don't know if especially for a woman, but home is a big deal where you feel safe, where you, where everybody knows your name and you know where your favorite places are, right? Home, right? So every time that we've felt a call to move, it's been like, Okay, God, we, like, what are my orders for sure? And like, we'll do, we'll obey because we'd way rather live under the blessing of God than anywhere else. But also like, we want to know for sure. And God knows that about us and he's so good. And when we first, when we had our first baby in Manitoba, we were living in like an old house, half renovated. Like it was not like in shambles, but like, no, it's beautiful. I was renovating it. Yeah, <laughs> Your builder, saying. come on. I'm just saying that it was in process. It was not complete. You know, when God called us, and so we're like, what? Like, this doesn't make any sense. But as we, like, actually leaned in to ask, like, ask him to show us, he He showed us. And I remember opening my Bible, and I'm, I'm going to share it later. Um, what the scripture is, is Deut- Deuteronomy 31 verse 8, I believe, and it just says, it's talking to Moses, but the verse just says, do not be afraid to go into the land that I'm giving you. And because I was asking and God gave me the answer, like I was like, oh, okay, (laughs) you know, so, but, and even just as we took those steps where he confirmed it through his word, he confirmed it through people, through dreams, and through just like things like that, then then we, we knew that we knew, you know, so when we, and when we stepped into that first um, year of ministry, we, we knew that we knew that we were called to be there for such a time as this. And we were even given that picture of like, put your head in the sand, because there was tons going on. There was lots going on in the church that had nothing to do with us. But we knew that we were called there. So we just put our heads down and did the work and let the storms rage on around us, so to speak. But um, my point in all this is every it's not happened the same way every time, but every time that we've needed to make a big decision, God has confirmed it. He's confirmed it through people that we trust, through his word, and through other ways, like at least three uh, three different ways. So um, I just wanted to you, encourage you with that this morning. If you feel God tugging at your heart about something or leading you somewhere, ask him for those things. Ask him to show you in his word and ask him to confirm it through people that talk to God. So good, honey. That's wisdom right there. Hope you wrote that down. Um, on that note, yeah, be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you listen to, because sometimes we know where to go if we want to hear what we want to hear. But there's certain people you need to go to that, one, it needs to be wise, godly counsel. Okay, that should be a non-negotiable for you as a follower of Jesus. You know, and you know a tree by its fruit. So you'd be, when I even coach people that don't know God as a life coach, 
I tell them, well, you know, you're the, you're the sum of the five people you hang around the most. They're like, well, I just want it. This guy's really good at finances, but he treats his wife like crap. He doesn't honor his wife. You know, he's not taking care of his kids. You'd be naive to think, well, you're just going to get the financial part and you're not going to get that other part. You know, so you better, Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything flows from it. You better know what those non-negotiables are, you know, and that you're not like, well, I just need this next thing and you want to go for that next step and like, no, be careful. I'd caution you, you know, we talked about, to the men, I challenged them not that long ago, be careful who lays hands and prays over you. Yeah, we want everyone to pray. We want everyone to lay hands and pray on people, but you better be careful, especially if you're looking for confirmation who lays hands on. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> right? Are you with me? Yeah. Has anyone ever got bad advice? <laughs> okay. Um, I'm not the only one. But uh, that was great. That was great. Um, Bible characters. It's your favorite part. All right, honey. <laughs> I go first? Yeah. Which Bible character do you relate with the most? Jesus. Yes. No. No. <laughs> Sorry, I gave you Chloe's answer. Yeah, um, yeah I, re- I relate to a lot of the Bible characters, but I, I, I had to, this was hard. I went, I went with David. I went with David. Um, just a snapshot about David. He, he was an outlaw with a price on his head at one point of his life. David led a life like Robin Hood, and he became the leader of, uh, and the organizer of a, a group of outlaws and, and refugees uh, who progressively, they, they integrated themselves with the local population by protecting them from other bandits in case they were raided. And um, he pursued uh, the raiders, the people that went after their stuff and took everything away. You know, there was one time where even they came back from their camp and the women, the children, all their stuff gone. And David's own group was ready to turn on him. And can you imagine, like, the, the people you're doing life with, you know, like, it's not just church planting. You're, like, you're doing all this stuff, and you're doing it for them, but they're all ready to turn on you. And so he goes to his tent, and he seeks the Lord. And he says, Lord, shall I pursue them? Like, the people that took all these things. And, the, and he was waiting for that confirmation from the Lord. And the Lord said, yes. And then when David got out of his tent, he strapped on his sword, and his, something shifted in the men. And they saw, obviously, that anointing of God was on David. And then they went with him. <laughs> they went with him. They got it all back. And not only did they get all their stuff back, they got everything else the Raiders took. You know, so there's, there's something to be said there. Um, so those actions would eventually uh, lead to ensure that he would become this king as the true successor of Saul after Saul was slain in battle. And now I, I can't, however, relate to all of David's life, just so you know, not the adultery part and... You know, all that stuff. But there's some, there's some things I can relate to David. Um, yet despite David's failings, God fulfills his covenant with David. And he treats him with mercy. You know, I've, I've served under great leadership. I've been very blessed and very honored. I've recognized authority over me, even when I don't always agree. I've learned how to remain obedient and true to my convictions and covenant. I can be a bit of a rebel. I don't know if you notice that. And I have a passion for the outcast. I have a passion for the refugees, the outlaws, the misfits, the down and outers, and those struggling to find their passion and their hope. You know, David was 
said to be a man after God's own heart. And I'm not perfect by any means, but I'm a fighter. I like to take down giants. I'm just as happy serving in the field with the sheep or ministering to somebody in the prison as I am working in the palace. The Lord has given me the opportunity to travel the world and and, and speak to thousands of people and yet serve in the streets, in the shelters, and in recovery centers. There's more. (laughs) We've, uh, you know, we've led a children's ministry of 300 kids as children's pastors, and we parent our five. We've planted churches and ministered to our neighbors, even those at the gym or the local Starbucks. I once had the opportunity of baptizing 91 people in one service. And just as important, I got to baptize one of my close friends who overcame addictions in my hot tub. I've seen a deaf man healed, women's eyesight restored, even watched a crippled man walk. I prayed over an outlaw biker who was given only 48 hours to live because of cancer, and the next 48 hours, he walked out saved and healed. Okay? I hope you guys hear me. This is bragging on Jesus. Okay? I've also prayed by the side of somebody who had died of cancer with the family surrounding him, and I watched as the whole family gave their heart to Jesus. We've seen relationships restored. We've had the opportunity of praying over couples who couldn't have children and now have a family of their own. We've seen God's people advance. We've seen addicts set free. I'll leave it at that. Sure. (laughs) And all the glory to God. In this season, who would you relate to? Well, just want to touch on what you just said, but just want to remind you this is the year of miracles. You know, we're believing that for our family, for our church family. And uh, yeah, the, this is just, a, this is what God has done, right? We're so excited for what God can do. So good. But yeah. All right. It is not all easy necessarily to choose a Bible character, but I would say in this season, somebody well, that I relate to, but also am inspired by and aspire to be like, would be Deborah also. Yes. And Deborah, somebody we've talked about a bit in the church lately and just really feeling like God is calling the Debras, you know, to stand up in this time. But what does that mean? So Deborah, she was an important woman in the Bible. Um, if you want to look up, a lot of her story is in the book of Judges, which is not a big book in the Bible. Um, so go ahead and read it for yourself. But as she represented a, a strong woman as a judge, so she represented leadership in Israel during a challenging time in history. Wouldn't you say that's about where we're at right now, a challenging time in history? <laughs> 
Um, but you know, she was she was referred to as a mother in Israel and a mother of Israel. So meaning that she most likely had her own children, but she also had a heart to see the nation do well and to be protected. So studies report Deborah as a worshiping warrior, someone who was trusted, direct, confident, and humble. She was courageous, served with wisdom, and supported people who were called to lead. She was called to lead during a difficult time. She was a prophetess and a woman who brought unity. So here's how I relate. So Deborah was a woman under authority. She received her orders from the Lord, and she delivered them with confidence. So something you might not know about me is that my maiden name is Bailey, the Scottish Bailey, if you're wondering. But so... The name came from the occupation at the time, right? So a bailey was a member of council who had a variety of roles. They were known as a steward or a magistrate or also a fair judge. They were described that way. So as co-lead pastor here and a mama bear of this house, that's my role. It's to be aware and to discern who's in the room, who's on my team, who's influencing and how? I'm a woman of authority and under authority, a woman of peace and a woman of worship. That's me. Yeah, well said. So scripture, we've already shared some. I think you shared yours already in Isaiah, but what scripture has really spoken to you through the season or maybe just in this season? You want me to go first? All right. Yeah, you All go right, first. so like I had referenced earlier, Deuteronomy 31, verse 8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. <laughs> and you? Wow. It's all God's word. It's all solid. Um, but this one just keeps coming up, and I think that this isn't just for me. I know it's not just for me, but somebody needs to hear it. It's because, you know, it's like God just he stands at the door and he knocks, right? He's just knocking. But it's Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. To trust in the Lord with all your heart and to lean not on your own understanding in everything, in always acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. This is, yeah, you could applaud for God's word. Just take time to meditate on that scripture in this season. We have a hard time trusting right now anyone. The more people I meet, the more people I coach, the more people that I pastor, with everything that's going on in the world, if it's proven anything, you can't put your trust in the world. You can only put your trust in the word of God. Right? But there's also going to be times, even in your relationship and your walk with God, where you won't understand. And if you just try to go on your own understanding and not seek the wisdom of God, just trust him. Just trust him. Lean into his word. What does his word say? How many times do we say that? Go back to his word. What does his word say? Then again, read the word in context, because there have been churches even religions that have taken the word out of context. And if you don't know the purpose of something, you will abuse it. If it doesn't hang off of loving God and loving others, come on, right? If it doesn't hang off that love, 
you should know right away. What I'm about to say, what I'm about to do, what I'm receiving, is it going to make me love God and love others more? If not, you might want to check yourself. But in this season, you, you can know this. You can trust in him. We've been through these storms. We're going through these storms together. And Jesus said, in this world, you will have storms, but take heart, for I've overcome the world. As Christians, we should just get excited. We shouldn't worry because he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Right? So trust him. Trust him. That would be. And then what would you say to somebody um, maybe going through this season as a word of encouragement that's maybe could relate to what you've been through? What would you say to someone uh, struggling to figure out maybe what to, here, how about this? what to hold on to, and what to let go of. Who? What would you say to somebody? That's a big question. I know. <laughs> Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think, you know, we do our best, right? We do our best, and, and then, I mean, not to sound like, do your best, give God the rest, but yes, mm-hmm. we do. Like, we, we do our best to walk in obedience, and we look, and to do that, we need to know the word. And we also need to know what the Lord's voice sounds like, which means we need to talk to him every day. Right? That's how you know. I know it's funny. We were here yesterday, and I was in the back office, and I heard footsteps, and I was like, who are those footsteps? And I often know, just so you know, I often know. (laughs) But the more you're around somebody, you know their voice. They know the sound of their their footsteps. That's powerful. Wow. Me? Same what question. Same yeah. question. Um, I don't know. I would just to echo that. I, I'm going to leave you with a more of a what if. Okay. You know, what if we were to do this? Like, what if we were to recognize the voice of God? And what if we were to respond? You know, like David. Go back to David. David's in the in the field. Sometimes you feel like you're in the field and you're just dealing with sheep and all the stuff that sheep leave. And, but God is there and he's speaking to you and he's working in you. It's not just waiting for that Goliath moment. Right? The real battle is when you're in the field. The real battle is behind the scenes. You just think, oh, I just need my moment to bring down my Goliath. Your, your Goliath might be anxiety, depression, uncertainty, Right? not feeling like you're not good enough, not measuring up. What if you started to get more in the word of God and speak it over yourself and speak it over others? Imagine if, what if we as a church didn't just speak it over ourselves, but we spoke it over others? Would we see a brother or a sister that is down that we build them up and we encourage them? Say, hey, that's not what God says about you. He says you're the head, not the tail. Right? For he is able to do above and beyond all you can hope, imagine, or dream of according to the power within. That's the God who created you, and you were created in his image, Genesis 1.27. What if we start talking like that? What if we start speaking truth over others? What if? That's where I'm going to leave. You know, and here's the other thing about testimonies. Every day is a testimony. Every day you live and breathe. You know, the word Yahweh from its origin is actually breath. It's the way the Hebrews could the, he, the Hebrews could actually express the word closest to breathing in and breathing out. Did you know that? Yeah. Yahweh. So every time you breathe, even if somebody says, I don't believe in God on their dying breath, they're actually going to say, Yahweh. Yeah. 
Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Yahweh. Imagine if we start, you start talking like that and speaking that over others. An enemy comes at you with worry, you come back at him with the word. Imagine if the joy of the Lord, even in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. Imagine if we as a church talk like that, act like that. I'll tell you what will happen. Miracles, signs, and wonders will follow those that believe. Would you guys stand with us? Thank you for letting us share our heart with you. Now, everything comes back to this. You've heard it kind of echoed that we're about relationship, not about religion. You know, Paul once said that true religion is taking care of the orphans and the widows. What we're talking about, we're not talking about man-made religion. You know, we are all saved by the, the grace of God so that none can boast, but only in his name. And if you've been struggling with, with the thoughts, if, if anything in our story, our testimony spoke to you, you're struggling where to go, the next move, who to lean into, we're, we're here to tell you it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Our job is to point you to him. That's our job. And our job is to do our best to express his love to you. And we would not be here. We would not have the guidance we would not have been able to weather the storms that we've been through if it would not be with a relationship with Jesus. Yesterday, we did a celebration of life. Tim Thomas sat right there. If you didn't know Tim, you might have recognized him by his oxygen tank so that he'd come in. And I'm telling you, one of the last memories I had of Tim Thomas was on the back of a trike. It's a motorcycle with three wheels, not a... And he was holding on to his dear friend. It was just a few days before he passed, and it was a day that the weather was not good. It was rainy. It was cold. But Tim was holding on with a big smile on his face. Tim knew Jesus. One of our good friends, Al, from the Christian Motorcycle Association, got to come up and say how one day, because Tim was coming to this church, he reached out to an old friend of his named Al, who was also in this church. He said, I'm ready. Right, have a relationship with Jesus. Can you walk me through the prayer? And he did it. And see, Tim never, he never chose to fall in or conform to his disability. There was days that he struggled even to breathe and get up. But he chose not to live as a victim of his circumstances. But he chose to live in victory through Jesus Christ. And I can only tell you that came through the strength of Jesus through Tim Toms. So if you're looking for that strength, we want to give you that same opportunity and lead you through that same prayer. Paul says in Romans 10 verse 9, if we believe in our heart, if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, if we believe in our heart that God the Father raised his son from the grave, and we confessed with our mouth, we will be saved. So we want to do that right now. We want to pray all together. And if you just bow your heads and close your eyes, and if you prayed this prayer before, if you do so again, let us pray. All right, you just repeat after me. 
Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus, I confess, I confess that you are God. That you are God. And I believe, and I believe that you died for my sin. That you died for my sin. And that you rose again. And you rose again. So that I could have new life. And eternal life with you. Eternal life. I ask you today. I ask you today. To forgive me of my sin. To forgive me of my sin. I thank you that now my past is past. I thank you that my past is past. And I can begin a new life with you. Right here and right now. Right here. In Jesus' name we pray. I just need to know all eyes are closed and heads are bowed. This is your moment. If you sense that the Lord spoke to you today through a word or through a testimony, what you're going through or what he's calling you to, would you just give me a thumbs up? Thank you. <laughs> thumbs up all around. The second is this. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if you're coming back to him, would you just give me a thumbs up in the house? Thank you. Thank you. Keep him up. He sees you. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. <laughs> what do we do now? <laughs> Where do we go from here? Well, we should worship. <laughs> yeah. Let's do that. But, you know, um, something, if you've come here before, maybe this is your first time. We always make an opportunity or have, leave an opportunity if you would like to be baptized. And in the Bible, it says, what are you waiting for? <laughs> Get up and be baptized just as a first, a first step in your walk with Jesus. And, and maybe you've been walking with Jesus, and, but you're feeling like, I think today's the day when to be baptized means to be fully immersed in water. So in the natural, that means go under the water for a couple of seconds and you come out. But what it's representing is that Jesus took all of our sin. He did it before we were even born. And he dealt with it in one moment on the cross. He took our sin. He was buried and raised to new life. So when you go under the water, you're saying, thank you, Jesus. And you're leaving that old life, that sin, dead in the water and being raised to new life in Christ. So we do that as a first step in discipleship. We also leave an opportunity for if you feel like you're entering a new chapter with Christ, or maybe you have, you feel like you're the, the prodigal son coming home. You've been lost for a bit, but your God has called you back. We give an opportunity for that recommitment. So as we worship, Pastor Matt and I will be there, and you're welcome to come up and be baptized at any time. We have towels, extra clothes, anything that you might need, and we would be so honored to be a part of your journey in that way. But we are going to just take some time also just to give it up to God and thank him for the miracles that he has done, the ones that we've seen, the ones that are in process that we don't see, and the ones to come. We believe that this is a year of miracles, big and small, and so we're going to declare it. Sound good? All right, let's do it. 
Thank you for tuning in today and thank you for continuing to partner with us and for giving so generously to this ministry. If you would like to find out more about how you can partner with us, visit our website at www.wherepeoplematter.church and click the giving link. And don't forget to subscribe and share this with your friends. See you next time. Thank you.